The following is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on anything being discussed, consult your medical doctor. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Heart Health is a local call-in health show designed to educate and inform you of the most up-to-date information for not only maintaining a healthy heart, but a healthy body. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. You can get better, stay healthy, spot medical misinformation, and I think have fun uh, just by listening to Heart Health Radio every Saturday at noon right here. Hello, doctor. Good afternoon. We're five minutes afternoon. Yeah, this is uh, Dave Alexander, Dr. Franklin Weefald, and we are going to talk about a lot of different things. We're, we're loaded for bear, but... If you want to just interrupt us, go ahead. Yeah, and you know, for for listeners, it doesn't have to be on topic. Um, If you've got a a situation that you're dying to find out about yourself or a loved one, interrupt. Yeah, We love interruptions. And this doesn't have to be on topic. If you want to call in, call in about anything. And and don't think that it has to be about the heart because Dr. Weefald is a – uh, is a cardiologist. That's that's not it either. Top to bottom, uh, front to back. Uh, 919-860-9783. We're going to talk about the coronavirus, the flu, and also fish oil and sugar. One is good for you, remarkably, and the other, not so much. Well, and it's funny how, um, you know, we talk about things on our show for weeks, and then there's a, a surprising article. Yeah. You know, and it's what we've been talking about for weeks, so... It is Heart Month. Yes, and it, February is always my favorite month for two yeah, reasons. Okay, it's my birthday. Oh, happy you know? birthday! Yeah, February 9th. Everybody mark that down. All right. And it's Heart Month now. Why February? Valentine's Day. Oh yeah, and the yeah, heart okay. symbol. So yep. I think that's appropriate. I, I wanted. We're going to talk about Heart Month all this month, um, but I want to focus on some of my favorite people, women. Mm-hmm. And I think that most people know that heart disease kills more people than breast cancer. It doesn't make breast cancer not important. It is. And breast cancer is a serious health issue. But in Heart Month, we get to emphasize to our men and women and boys and girls out there that heart disease is still, by far and away, the number one killer of women. And there's been a lot of uh, research into why women die more frequently than men do. So a 75-year-old woman with a heart attack has a slightly higher risk of death than a 75-year-old man with one. And they think it may have something to do with the symptom complex that women experience. So everybody has the classic thought in their mind that you clutch your chest with a mid-sternal burning heavy sensation. Remember the elephant on your chest concept? Women don't necessarily have that. And it's not sexist to say Uh, that women have different symptoms and often can't identify those symptoms as being from the heart. So, for example, I've had a woman who came in with just sweatiness. We talked about this before. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's fatigue. So, and unfortunately, a lot of people, when they get into their 70s, think that they're supposed to be tired all the time. And, you know, fatigue that is brought on by exertion especially is something that women need to be very concerned about. Uh, arm discomfort, um, frequently uh, upset stomach, quote unquote. You know, I've had a tummy upset. And you ask him, when does it happen? Well, you know, I was walking up the stairs and my stomach started to feel funny. And so women, I think, need to educate themselves 
as much as men do, if not more so, about some of the things that can present as heart trouble, heart disease, that in men, you might just sort of scoff off. And I think one of the problems is that many doctors don't understand that women can present with symptoms that are different from men. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times women are ignored. Uh, And I think that's, you know, kind of harsh to say, but I think it's true. And so if you're a woman and you're concerned about your heart trouble, find a doctor who's going to listen to you. Can you actually see someone two days after they've had this episode and diagnose them with cardiac problems. Here's the thing that I think has hurt modern medicine, and that's the electronic medical record. Okay. And the reason is we used to, I still do, sit down, look at our patients in the eye, gauge a lot of different symptoms on the basis of facial expression and body language. Yeah. Um, Philip Tumulty, I've talked about this before, a great clinician, he taught me that it's like a chess game. You know, you make a move. Mm-hmm. They make a move, and you're trying to get the checkmate of the diagnosis. And if you if you don't talk to your patient, if you don't sort of drag things out, sometimes you might not pick it up. So this woman that had sweatiness, um, you know, you could always say, well, you know, maybe it's postmenopausal. Of course, she's 60 and had menopause 10 years later. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I had to drag it out of her, and it was a good thing. Because they're reluctant to talk about things. Sometimes people think they're complaining. You know, people in our generation are brought up that it's not very nice to complain. You should be a nice person. Right. Well, we dragged it out of her, and basically she would walk up the stairs and get very sweaty. And so she turned down the temperature in her house, still got sweaty. And she wound up having to have bypass surgery, and now the diaphoresis, as the medical term is, is gone. So there is something that I think the American Heart Association put out, and you're supposed to wear red, all right? So I've got to get you the red. You know how there's a, the pink um, ribbon? ribbon? Yeah, yeah. Well, they have red ones for women now, too. Oh, and I'm good. going to be wearing one. If you come to my office, you'll notice that we're all going to be wearing them this month. Right. Because I, I want to emphasize that women and heart disease are often not appreciated as being so important. So the American Heart Association has a has a mnemonic. It's called Go Red. Okay. So you go red. Women are wearing red dresses, red um, uh, pins and, and ribbons. The G means get your numbers. Ask your doctor, what is your cholesterol? And I can't emphasize enough, the total cholesterol doesn't help you. Because with women, the HDL may be higher, and the HDL is a protective one. Mm-hmm. It's the LDL, the bad cholesterol, because it's the only number that matters. Now, triglycerides matter. If your triglycerides are very high, that's the literally the fat content of your blood. But you want to know your LDL, because your LDL can never be too low. Mine's 11. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's the lowest it can be. And my blockage went away, essentially. So it can get better. Now, the other number is the blood pressure, mm-hmm. and that's the top more important than the bottom. The bottom number we used to think was really important. But it's that top number, and you want it around 120 to 130. Now, how many times have you gone to the doctor and your blood pressure is high? Every time. Yeah. So the other thing is ask your doctor before he puts you on medication to take it again 15 minutes later. Yeah. Now, the other thing is I encourage everybody to go out and buy a blood pressure cuff. Mm -hmm. They're not expensive anymore. 40 bucks, and they work Mm-hmm. The other important thing, though, is if you're going to track your blood pressure at home, it is more accurate as long as your cuff is accurate. Don't 
ever think that a cuff coming from CVS is 100% accurate. Bring your cuff into your doctor, have them wait 15 minutes after you're there, Mm -hmm. take it with your um, cuff and with his cuff. Now, the second thing is own your lifestyle. That means focus on the no-no diet, no sugar as much as possible, no Mm -hmm. white flour, none of those things, Mm -hmm. and exercise, 35-minute brisk walk five times a week. Now, realize your risk. If you're at risk, don't bury your head in the sand. And I think one of the biggest risks you have to understand is your family history. If your mother and father had heart disease, you're at risk. You may not get it. Genetics is a funny thing. But know that you are at risk. Therefore, early on, take those measures to prevent you from having a problem. And then educate your family. Your kids can never start too early on knowing to stay away from sugar as much as possible. And then don't be silent, okay? Talk to your doctor. Are my symptoms possibly heart disease? Don't let them blow you off. Okay. Let's talk about the coronavirus and something more serious. Le flu. Now, I'm going to apologize to Pam because Pam's my transcriptionist. Yeah. And I think Pam is a wonderful person who has become tired of hearing about this, (laughs) right? I mean, it's like, oh, no, he's going to talk about the flu and the coronavirus again. All right. But, I, you know, don't be afraid of the coronavirus out there. I mean, everybody's all hyped about this. Yeah. There are, are fake news stories out about it. We're going to talk about one of them. You're much more likely to die of the flu. Okay. And the influenza, you know, influenza epidemic, and mm-hmm. it is an epidemic, has hit North Carolina by itself very hard. Dave, what do you know on the numbers? You're a numbers guy. Okay. Ten People have died just this week in North Carolina. Now, the, the, the comparison is that in the entire world, 259 people have died of the coronavirus. But and in, what about the U.S. flu deaths? The U.S. flu deaths are at about 25,000. They say between 10,000 and 25,000, because who knows? Yeah. You know, the, so if the coronavirus were killing 25,000 people in the yeah. United States of America, we'd have the National Guard roaming the streets, shooting right. on sight anybody not wearing a mask. Now, that's an exaggeration. But just imagine if the coronavirus had killed 10,000 people in the United States. Now, something people don't understand, the flu now, is much, much less dangerous than it was earlier. Mm-hmm. 1918, people don't realize, that was during World War I. 300 million people got the flu. Mm. 300 million. And at that time, the world population was about 1.5 billion. So one in five people got influenza. There were no vaccines before this. There was no immunity to this H1N1. And believe it or not, H1N1 is the strain of influenza A we've got now. So guess how many people died in 2018? 30 million. More than in World War I. 30 million people died of influenza. I mean, there are stories where a kid woke up with the sniffles and was dead at 4 p.m. So Again, Pam, I'm sorry. Well, actually, I'm not sorry. No, you're not. No, you just Please go ahead. Do run. the show. Do not walk. Get your flu shot. You may still get the flu, but it'll be usually a less severe case. And if you hit it with Tamiflu, then you're going to do okay. I know people who've had it for two days and are better. China has 11,000, almost 12,000 confirmed cases. The total number of cases worldwide of this coronavirus 
12,000. The total number of cases of flu just in the United States, 26 million. So please, take the flu seriously. And you know know what's happened? What's that? People say, I got the flu. You know, what's that mean? They got a cold. You know, I got the stomach flu. Sure. So we're using the term too easily. Mm -hmm. Influenza is a serious illness and possibly deadly. All right. See your doctor. If you you call your doctor, yes. Ask if you should go in the the office. Nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three is our telephone number. We've got uh, parsley and goop (laughs) in the next segment. I'm laughing ahead of time. You're laughing ahead of time. Also, coronavirus and Facebook. All that coming up on the Heart Health Radio Network. begin our fake news segment with a reminder that this is a medical show and it's okay if he uses medical terms on the radio i was kind of worried about that he's a doctor and i'm not i learned a new word this week <laughs> what's your new word uh, a menagogue what's a menagogue well i i thought it was some kind of monster yeah a menagogue it, it is a a thing that supposedly brings on your period. So a lot of women are bloated okay. and they want their period to start. All right. And Marie Claire, you know, that's not a woman. It's a magazine. You know, you go, you go through the grocery store and you see the yes. Sun and Herald, you know, aliens live inside of Diana's body and yeah. stuff like that. Well, Marie Claire, and it's got a nice looking woman on it. And there's a headline. Put parsley in your vagina. Now, I'm not kidding. They recommend it if you want to start your period. You go to the grocery store and get a bunch of parsley and stuff it in your vagina. Now, do not. Do this. Don't put anything in there um, that is a vegetable. I'm serious. The reason is because you can get an infection. And there's a woman in Argentina who picked up the magazine and went to the grocery store. She wanted to have her period. She stuffed a bunch of parsley up there, and she died of septic shock. Oh, my gosh. So this has got to be, in my mind, the ultimate fake news story. There's never been a study on it. Because nobody's ever stupid enough to study it. Well, yes, yeah, you're right. I mean, come you're on. Right. Are you going to have the department of OBGYN at Johns, at Johns Hopkins, you know, start studying it? I mean, what's your what's your placebo? I don't paper? know. I don't know. But that even, the, the point I'm trying to make, if you cut off menstrual flow more than four hours, there is a greater chance of toxic shock, septic shock syndrome. So if you have that journal that copy of marie claire yes run do not walk to the trash can and throw it away now they that thankfully online they retracted it but where does where does this come from who comes up with these ideas i have no idea you know something i'm gonna i didn't realize somebody died so we're gonna cancel the the simon and garfunkel song that we were gonna use to accompany the oh we can still no no we're not gonna play oh well it's pretty funny there is another online source for silly information uh goop yes this is gwyneth paltrow's gosh and that and what the national health service in england has asked that netflix take her show off the air (laughs) and i sure as heck hope they do 
Number one, she's making money hand over fist. Notice she's not been in the movies anymore. Doesn't need to. Because she doesn't need to. Goo. No. Now, she, this is the one. And again, we're not focusing on the V word today. But this is the one who, who said put these stone eggs, heated stone eggs uh, up there yeah. to help, I don't know, induce muscle growth or something, like stronger muscles. And it's it's just misinformation. It is craziness. She's a big, big on coffee enemas. And not only does she talk about coffee enemas, she talks about the different beans and uh. when you should use one bean versus the other. Now, remember, if you're going to watch this show, it should be for laughing entertainment value only because you can laugh at some of the crazy stuff that she wants to do. Now, don't buy any of it. That's the reason why she's having this show. Yes. is to sell her crazy stuff. I mean, psychic vampire repellent? I am not kidding. That's what she calls her sunscreen. Yeah. Do not do it. it. And they even make now, she makes a coffee enema machine. And it costs over $1,000. And she's peddling this stuff on her Netflix show. I mean, this is almost enough for me to get rid of Netflix. But I'm sorry. I got to watch the next episode of Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. Did you see it? No. Have you seen it? I saw the first season. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Second season's even better. So remember, she's shilling. She's shilling for these crazy products. And the millennials and Gen Zs are getting into it. And I'm very sad about it. Coronavirus and yep. Facebook. What's up? Facebook has decided, thankfully, to, to police the coronavirus information. It's actually very easy to do, right? Because mm-hmm. they have all these billions of computer memories, and they just got to stick in coronavirus, so then they can read all the coronavirus stories. It is not true that coronavirus, and this is a story in Facebook, coronavirus was manufactured by the Chinese government, and mysteriously escaped from their virus manufacturer facility in Wuhan. That is not true. The virus looks like it came from a bat, and they were selling bats in this um, village, uh, what's it called, village um, place, uh, market, market. wet wet market. market. And the reason it's a wet market is they keep these bats wet so they don't deteriorate. There is, unfortunately, on YouTube, a video of a Chinese person eating a bat. Um, my uh, niece, Jamie, mm-hmm. who looks more Chinese than I do, she's beautiful, has gotten a lot of flack. And there's a, some racial discrimination going oh, no, on. No, no, no. It's, it's terrible. We don't eat bats, okay? We don't even eat dogs. <laughs> okay. Well, Your the, family. Right. Yeah, right. Right. What I'm trying to say is do not. Please look at a Chinese person oh, no, no. and think of coronavirus. They have nothing to do with it. Amen. Amen. All right. Fish oil and sugar. One's good. One's bad. Yes. I'm having a hard time keeping track. Uh, I'm assuming fish oil's got to be the one that's good for you. Right. And it, I don't know if you remember about six months ago, we were talking about supplements. And there was all this concern that people were taking too much fish oil. Yeah. Because some of the other retrospective studies where people took fish oil and it didn't seem to be a reduction in heart risk. Well, they weren't done in heart patients. They were looking at people who took fish oil. So what's great now, and I've talked to you all about um, how these studies should be done. And, you know, Brigham and Women's Hospital, they're from Harvard. 
Mm-hmm. They're almost as good as Johns Hopkins and the Mayo Clinic. Almost. Almost. Okay, almost. Good. I'm just kidding. It's an excellent place. They finally did the study. They took a bunch of people who had heart disease, either heart failure or coronary disease, and they gave half of those people a pill of fish oil in an appropriate amount. That's two grams twice a day. And then they gave half of placebo. So it was filled with, I don't know, um, mineral oil. And the people who got the fish oil had a markedly lower incidence of heart failure. One of the key things we look at for heart failure is if you're admitted, how, how many people get readmitted at, at 30 days. That's a Medicare quality thing. Reduce it by 15%. And it also reduced the amount and seriousness of heart attacks. So if you have heart disease, fish oil is very good. Now, okay. if you don't have heart disease, I can't tell you to go out and eat fish oil. I can tell you that it's more than likely it's not harmful. Okay. And I take it. I actually take the prescription fish oil, which is something called Vesipa, and it's an ultra, you've seen purified fish oil on the shelf. This is ultra purified. It's a medicine, and it's the active component of fish oil, eicosapentoic acid, and it lowers the risk of death in those people who are on statins and have heart disease by 40%. So fish oil is good. If you have heart disease, it's proven. If you don't have heart disease, it's not proven to prevent heart disease. But those studies are coming, I think. Okay. That's very good. We don't have time to unpack a lot of things here, but coming up on this radio show, you will hear whether or not it's it's true that if you want to survive into the 2050s, that you're going to have to be eating bugs. I hope not. There's a, I, was a, I saw it on the Internet. That's what it said. If you're going to live into the 2050s, you're going to be eating bugs. Also, the no-no diet, which is Dr. Weefault's nickname for the low-sugar, low-carb diet, and we'll talk about that and some terrific success stories uh, on that. Call us up at 919-860-9783. Now back to Heart Health with Dr. Franklin Weefold on AM680 WPTF. You know, you can listen to Heart Health Radio on Apple Podcasts or at WPTF.com. Then clicking on the podcast thing and find us on the list of all the other radio shows. And also you can go to HeartHealthRadio.com. Our number is 919-860-9783. And Keith in Raleigh wants to ask, I think, a question about... Fatty liver. Hi, Keith. Hi, Keith. Hi. Uh, Doc, I have a question for you, please. Uh, fatty liver. If yeah. you take an ultrasound and a person says you have fatty liver, then you look it up and they say there's a product, chlorine by titrate, which is supposed to help you with your, uh, with your liver. And they say, hey, eat a lot of green vegetables. Yeah, but, uh, and they say 90% of your... Uh, you can function 90% of your liver, and fat replaces liver, uh, but blood tests sometimes aren't really that great diagnosing thing. And I was wondering, uh, uh, you know, besides vitamin B, vegetables, uh, and they say, uh, hey, eat, uh, have olive oil in the morning with a little bit of lemon juice, lemon juice, <laughs> Yeah. On, 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 on a piece of toast. And also, they say coffee and eggs do help. I'm wondering what your attitude 
in response would be to that. Well, listen, fatty liver is a serious problem. About 3 million people in the United States have it. And it's it's what it sounds like. Um, the liver accumulates fat between the liver cells. Your liver is really important, obviously. It detoxifies a lot of poisons that otherwise would hurt you. It also helps to take your medicines and turn them into active compounds. And obviously, it gets rid of all sorts of bad things. If you have diabetes, if you have high cholesterol, and more importantly, if you're obese, then you have a tendency to be at risk for fatty liver. Now, fatty liver, it may sound like, ah, you know, you just got some fat in your liver. It can lead to cirrhosis, where the liver becomes um, uh, scarred. Mm-hmm. And if you have fatty liver and you catch hepatitis, like hepatitis A, B, or C, it can lead to really bad necrosis of the liver. We don't understand why. Now, in terms of all these supplements people are talking about, they have not been proven to reduce the incidence of fatty liver. There are all sorts of compounds out there that are being studied in an appropriate way, double-blind. You give one group the drug, the other group not the drug. They thought metformin, you know, the diabetes medication, what metformin does the way it works is it reduces the ability of liver of the liver to produce or um, create sugar. So they thought that would work. There's some controversy. Some, you know, um, eminent physicians believe that um, metformin works. Others say it doesn't. But what do you do if you get a fatty liver? The number one thing to do, control the triglycerides. And I talked before, maybe triglycerides weren't all as important as the LDL cholesterol. In the fatty liver case, they are. What's the best thing to do? You think it's cut out fat in your diet? No. It's to cut out sugar in your diet. If you can lose 50, 60 pounds if you're obese, your fatty liver will get better. And fatty liver can lead to dangerous things. So you want to lose weight. If you're diabetic, control it well. If you have high triglycerides, get them down. Fish oil is a good thing to do that. But also, sugar. Believe it or not, the more sugar you eat the higher your triglycerides are. It's not the fat that gets into your bloodstream. It's the sugar. Keith, what's your diet like? Well, the thing is, uh, uh, my uh, heart surgeon said the same thing as you're talking about, that uh, particular uh, pill that he's taking, I forgot what it was. Uh, he says, give up your, give up your, uh, all your, your uh, these crazy, um, uh, you know, fish oil products. And take that, uh, it, uh, it starts with a V, uh, and you recommended it. And uh, uh, that, that sounds right. Hey. You heard it. Wait a minute, is, Keith. You heard it on this show. Let's narrow it down. You heard it on this show, but not today. Well. Or hey, did listen, you hear I it today? You on your old Vasipa. Yeah, Vasipa. Vasipa. <laughs> Duh, I should have known that. I just talked about it. You just it talked with about it. with a V. All right. So he mentioned How that. olive oils and... And, and, and lemon juice, does that help or? You know, let me tell you something. I'm, when I don't know, I don't know. Lemon juice can't hurt you, uh, if unless, of course, you drink 10 gallons of it. <laughs> but it might be, you know, that I can look it up. Um, I know it can't hurt you. I've never heard that lemon juice reduces the incidence of fatty liver. But How about, hey. well, it was said on the Coffee. internet there not to not to not to have uh, not to have regular uh, polyunsaturated like peanut oil, even. Uh, vegetable oil, all, all these other oils. Stay away from them. Eat a little bit of eat a little bit of butter and go back to nature, like it used to be a long time ago. I agree. Back to nature means refined sugar 
needs to be cut out of our diets a lot more. Keith, Keith, doctor. Vitamin B, vitamin B, rather. Vitamin yeah. B. He yeah, says. the B vitamins are very good for your health. B12, B6. Uh-huh. Um, you can't overdose on B vitamins because whatever your body doesn't need, it's eliminated in the urine. So if mm-hmm. you want to take a B supplement, I don't mind that. I can't tell you it's going to help. But certainly liver health is dependent upon lots of B vitamins. So if you've been avoiding meat, vegans are especially prone to get B vitamin deficiencies because mostly B vitamin. Oh, it comes from broccoli, too. So, yeah, what would you want to ask me? Thanks thanks a lot. The thing is, they said increase vitamin B and also eat a little bit of parsley. They see that's good for you. (laughs) Well, you can eat parsley. Just don't. Put yeah, it yeah, where yeah. the sun don't shine. Right. And, and like Brussels sprouts. Yeah, those are all good. Are good. And yeah. they and I forgot to tell you, yeah. because I'm focused on meat with B vitamins, but broccoli, Brussels sprouts, those things, they do. I like Brussels sprouts. Do you? I love yeah. them. Oh, it, oh, my gosh. Fried up in butter, too. Oh, mm, yeah. Yum. Okay. Love it. And they're good for you. And butter's good for you, too. Okay. Right. Hey, listen, Doc, thanks so much for your time. Hey, you, it was you great. Very informative, and I think all the people out there will enjoy that because everybody's being diagnosed now with fatty liver. It yep. doesn't necessarily have to come from uh, uh, drinking alcohol. It's uh, fat replaces uh, liver, uh, and uh, sometimes I understand that blood tests really don't really diagnose how much, uh, how many, pro- how many, uh, the problems with your liver. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Listen, fantastic question. Call us back. Thank you, okay. Keith. Thanks a bunch. And you have a very pleasant day. And uh, you're helping a lot of people out. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Keith. I'd, I'd, I'd like to, to spend him. some time with him. Yeah. He's, he's got sounds- some... He's, he's. I like his enthusiasm. All right. He's doing the same thing that a lot of people do. He's going to the internet. He's plugging in his symptom or his diagnosis and he's mm-hmm. he's finding out what they say. And well, here, here's they, if you're going to do the internet, yeah, look for the 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 government. Um, and I, I'm not a big government fan, but the National Cancer Institute puts out a lot of very informative things about liver disease. I'm, I'm sorry, cancer. Yeah. And then there's the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute. They put out a lot of really good things. The national um, uh, organizations, there's a, uh, a liver organization, and I'm, for the life of me, I can't remember. But as a cardiologist, the American College of Cardiology, the American Heart Association, and, and they're readable now. They used to be very dry. But now these websites yeah. have really good advice. And if you want to take a supplement, what you need to do is Google, is this supplement potentially dangerous? Because the, the websites that promote the supplements will not tell you mm-hmm. about the possibilities that it can go wrong. And if you're going to take a supplement, don't think that if one is good, 10 is better. It's just not the way it is. Somebody told me, oh, I know who it was. It was Dr. Barrett in his book about uh, he's the fellow behind uh, Quackwatch. He says, all right, here's how you know why... Lots of multivitamins just go to waste in your body. They just they just go to waste. Here's it. It says take a multivitamin and then go to the bathroom a couple hours later. Bright yellow. Bright yellow. He says that's one of the one of the vitamins which happens to be bright yellow, and it's just going through you, kid. Right now you're not that's you're not taking yeah, it in. But that's not necessarily a bad thing because sometimes. In order for something to be absorbed 
appropriately. There's got to okay. be a ton of it on the outside. All right. Because only a little bit gets on the inside. So let me tell you a story. The first person treated with, with penicillin was a young girl with a huge staphylococcus aureus abscess eating into her jaw. Mm. She was going to die. Well, the guy who developed penicillin, he had a little bit. I mean, just a tiny little bit. Yeah. And he gave it to her. And then you know what he did? Hmm. He collected her urine, crystallized what was remaining, oh and most God. of it went through her system and gave it back to her. And they, they kept on doing this, and yeah. the, it went away. Now, you talk about antibiotic resistance, and you know they talk about, well, we're killing everybody because we're using too many antibiotics. You know how long it took Staphylococcus aureus to become resistant to penicillin? No, I have no Two idea. Two years. Two years. And very few people had access to penicillin. So antibiotic resistance is a natural phenomenon, and it can happen even with one single dose of an antibiotic. The the bacteria want to live. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't want to die. I understand. So they've developed all these defenses against toxin attack, and they're going to develop antibiotic resistance. So if it shows up in your urine, it doesn't necessarily mean it was bad for you. It just means that... Your urine, and no, it also means that it's not going to hurt you, right? Okay, because yes. it's not going to be absorbed in your in your um, in your system. If you take a B vitamin and your urine doesn't turn yellow, yeah, go see your doctor. You There's something to. wrong with okay. you. All right, we're going to talk more about sugar and the no-no diet and somebody's just amazing story of weight loss with that. Go ahead and call us up, 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio. Well, you know you make me want to kick my heels up and shout, throw my hands up and shout, throw my head back and shout, come on Every now and then, people just do good things. Something happens out for them, or they make it happen, and we put them on the radio. Dr. Weefault. I got a great shout-out. I have wonderful patients, Margaret and Roger Alquist. And Roger is a unique individual. He was born without a protein called alpha-1 antitrypsin. And in his 20s, he started to get a lung problem. Alpha-1 antitrypsin is a protein in the lung that helps prevent damage. Mm-hmm. So he developed some lung problems. He's in his 70s, which is fantastic. And he's getting a medicine um, that's uh, made by a company here in Clayton. It's called Prolastin, and it replaces alpha-1 antitrypsin. Mm-hmm. He still has some lung problems. I have to treat him every now and then for bronchitis. He hasn't developed pneumonia in a while. And I gave him his flu shot a couple weeks ago, and he came into my office on a Friday He'd had one rigor, one chill, and he also had a coincident bronchitis, which was kind of lagging. He had gotten better. Mm-hmm. Next day, he called me. He felt terrible. We got him into the hospital. He had influenza. He's out in two days. Now, why is that? I mean, he was the prime candidate to get really sick from the influenza virus, you know, weakened yeah. immune system, yeah. uh, constantly fighting infection. But... The shot gave him help, and then the Tamiflu gave him help. And here's a guy with serious lung disease, bout of influenza out in two days and doing better. I want to make sure that I heard this incorrectly because uh, I think I heard what it incorrectly. What did I say? He didn't get the flu after getting his shot? No, no. No, he, no. He, no, no, he got a shot. Got his shot. And two weeks later got influenza. Okay, the unrelated. No, unrelated. Yeah, and yeah, I don't yeah, want people yeah. to think he got the flu from the shot. No, he didn't. The... the the importance of the shot is that if he hadn't had it, 
Sure. And he got the flu. Lord help him. Yeah. Because what this shot does, even if it doesn't prevent the virus from getting in your system and infecting you, Mm -hmm. there is enough of an immune reaction that it keeps it more in check than if you hadn't gotten the the, the, um, immunization Mm -hmm. ahead of time. So Roger's a case, textbook case, of somebody who the medical system – I'm talking about the pharmaceutical companies and producing prolastin. Of course, yeah. if I, I told you how much that dose cost, I you would probably have a heart attack. Um, thousands well, of dollars. Yeah, if I climb a big, long staircase, I have a heart attack. Right. I mean, you know yeah. me. Yeah. Well, then don't climb the stairs. <laughs> but anyway, and then a prime example of somebody who you know, got influenza, had a milder case, in which case you know, he was in the hospital because of his lung issues. Right. But Roger, if you're listening, he's one of my favorite people. I call him Roger the Dodger. Yeah. And he's a prime example of my patient population. He's got my cell phone. He texts me all the time. And we can, you know, get things done since his illness is really, you know, focused uh, in terms of treatment. Sugar has been studied now, hasn't it? Well, you know, we always see these things, and and if you see these articles on Facebook, I want you to, if you listen to the show, you know, we've all told me that six months ago. Yeah. And so there's a big article. It's gotten thousands of shares, and it's by a cardiologist at a medical center in California, and she says, I want to tell the world that sugar is finally been recognized as the ultimate villain in heart disease and obesity. So, yes, that's yeah. true. And I, I want to say this. Fat doesn't make you fat. It's the sugar, the white flour, the white part of the potato. I got a call the other day. Somebody really mad at me. Yeah? is a sweet potato farmer. And they uh, said, yeah, no, no. sweet potatoes are different. Okay? They taste sweet. But it's high fiber, and the content of a sweet potato is not broken down into a simple sugar that turns into fat. So sweet okay. potatoes are good. And I apologize to the farmers in Johnston County who grow sweet potatoes. If I haven't made it clear, it's the white potato. But anyway, so the cardiologists are finally catching on to what I've been saying for a long time. Now, how did we get hooked on fat and meat as the culprit? In 1964, the Harvard researchers in Mm -hmm. Harvard, you know, Mm -hmm. they do their best, Mm -hmm. came out with what they called the Framingham study results, and they said that people who ate fat and meat were the ones who got heart disease. Now, who paid for that study? The sugar industry. Big sugar? I don't like conspiracies, but the sugar industry has a group of spokespeople and lobbyists, and look, I love sugar. Yeah. I mean, I do. Okay. And you know, if you're going to have some sugar, fine. But the problem we have is sugar has become such a ubiquitous thing. My dad used to sing a song, sugar in the morning, sugar in the evening, sugar at supper time. Yeah. Why do you think we have childhood obesity? Sure. It's Pringles and it's candy. But you know, when I grew up in my the Alexander household, we had a bowl of sugar on the table at all times. Now, no, now you think... That's amazing that people would do that. Absolutely. In truth. We were taught that sugar is pure. No, but the but the cereal that we ate was bland, and we added sugar to it. Well, I tried. Now, the, yeah. now the, every food has got sugar yeah, in it. Every food. Chinese food. Okay, I make a mean stir fry. Do you? Good. But the recipe calls for sugar. Yeah. Yeah, and bread that I'm – I have a bread machine. Yeah. 
bread is terrible for you in terms of obesity and diabetes and heart health. But I love it. Yeah. I mean, a nice loaf of white bread uh, yeah, a whole, with, with, with a whole loaf. Yeah. No, with liverwurst mm. and the spicy, um, whatchamacallit, what is it, mustard? I'm, I'm like, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm losing Stop my it. mind. I'm Stop it. You're about making it. me hungry. Bill but in Raleigh is. How are we going to call? Yeah, Bill in Raleigh. Go ahead. What's going on, Bill? First of all, I'd like to thank WPTF and Don Curtis and the whole team there that uh, provide this kind of service. This <laughs> You're program. Welcome. I You're love welcome. Curtis Media, too. <laughs> yes, Curtis Media. Um, the reason I'm calling is in 2016, I had open-heart surgery. I had to have a micro valve uh, replaced, uh-huh. and uh, they tried to put a ring in there, but there was too much calcium built right. up, so they had to go with a uh, cow valve. What they put in, a cow one? Yeah, cow yeah. valve. Okay. Yeah, so um, I, I feel like I'm doing relatively good right now. But a couple things I'd like to ask you about. Sure. Um, right up my alley. AARP came out with an article in the most recent uh, uh, paper sure. about I- inflammation. Right. And they talk about a uh, prescription drug that they recommend. Um, now, this is in extreme cases. But I just wanted to ask you, it's uh, Canna Kimnuma. Uh, C-A-N-A-K-I-N-U-M-A-B. It's a prescription, and they say it's very expensive. I looked it up on the Internet. Okay. Put well, you that know what? out there for you. I never thought, uh, I never thought somebody would stop Inflammation, um, that's something that uh, I've tried to deal with for the longest period of time, and I came across um, an article about homostasis and trying to... Um, it's your hypothalamus, your liver, and your kidneys that you have to be. Yeah, uh, hemochromatosis. Is that what you And also, meant? I read an article where uh, now they're trying to treat um, heart disease with diuretics instead of uh, ACE and ACE inhibitors, and um, and like I'm on uh, Carvedo twice yeah. a day. It's a beta uh, blocker, so alpha blocker. Yeah, really good drug. Yeah, um, but. Um, during the holidays, you know, naturally you start to put on some weight, and I haven't been able to get rid of it, even though I'm working out over at uh, Heart Health or uh, Health Works over at Lake Med. Yeah, it's great um, place. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what? How, yeah, you know, hang I, on. I got I, I got Tom Brady's book, and he he talks about staying hydrated so much. But right. am I? Is, is that? Is that contrary to what I should be doing with uh, with my heart operation and with the new valve in there, three I, years old now? Uh, should, should I be careful about hydrating? Because I try to drink, you know, half my weight in water. Right. That's probably a little too much. Is your heart muscle weak or strong? Do they ever tell you you had heart failure too, or just the no, valve problem? No, no heart failure. Yeah. So you can drink a lot. I mean, you can drink ten glasses, eight ounce glasses of water a day. That's all you really need. You don't want to do half your weight every day. That's a lot of water. But what I would do is eight to 10 glasses of water a day. And maybe if you work out real hard and get sweaty, add another one. But if you're peeing once an hour, that tells you that you're hydrated. And that's a good way. So you hydrate yourself to the point that you're urinating. Am I allowed to say pee? 
I you guess did. I like using normal terms. You used a lot of medical terms on today's show. Yeah. That one's good. But yeah. I think if you pee once an hour, that's a um, good sign that you're well hydrated. Let's go back to inflammation. Okay, the calcium on your valve that they were trying to repair it. So they were trying to put in a ring and fix the valve. Yeah. So yeah. the way to reduce inflammation is cut out white flour, white sugar, and or any kind of sugar, white potatoes, and white rice. Those things in our system somehow stimulate inflammation. Now, that medicine you're talking about, it's it's going to come in as, I think, a big thing. It's an anti-inflammatory drug that reduces the total amount of inflammation. The other thing that reduces inflammation is this medicine, Vesipa. It's only approved for certain heart patients. It's a, a purified fish oil. You're doing everything right. Cut out sugar, cut out white flour, exercise, drink, and pee once an hour. Bill, thank you very much. And I'm sorry, Jim and Fuquay, we didn't get you on. Maybe next week on Heart Health. The proceeding was meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on what was just discussed, consult your medical doctor.